Welcome to Primity, where we find simple techniques to help address modern problems for our primitive bodies. My name is Andrew Pafford, and I'm a health and wellness professional with over a decade of experience helping Olympic-level athletes, desk jockeys, and seniors achieving their goals and improving their quality of life. For our topic today, I wanted to discuss knee health. The topic is a very broad, overreaching topic that can have many causes. However, the vast majority of us are guilty of one big thing that can pile on to the myriad of other reasons that can cause knee issues, and we'll discuss what those are and how this big faux pas contributes to each. I won't do what many do and save the big reveal for the end, because I don't like stringing people along, and I'm just not that patient. The big no-no I'm talking about is motion, or in this case, lack thereof. Simple, beautiful, God-given motion of the knee. This does come with a subtle caveat, but yes, moving the knee joint plays a huge role in knee health. To elaborate on the mechanisms with which we can better utilize to ensure knee health, we'll touch base on the anatomy of the knee, different, we different ways our knees tend to go bad, and how proper full motion of the knee can be utilized to help keep our knees healthy and working. First and foremost, rudimentary explanation of the knee. The top of your shin bone, the tibia, is actually a plateau that has two grooves for the bottom of your thigh bone, the femur, to rest and move on. In kinesio talk, we call this articulation, when two bones tend to move together. On the plateau of the tibia, you have rubbery discs called meniscus to provide cushion for the femur and to protect the top of the tibia. Equally, the part of the femur that meets the tibia, known as the epicondyles, are also covered in cartilage. This protects the articulating surface of the femur and prevents undue friction. Imagine rubbing two smooth surfaces together versus rubbing two rough surfaces together. The smooth surfaces will last a lot longer because there's a lot less surface friction going on to do damage. Finally, your knee has a handful of ligaments that help hold it in place so that the femur does not slip off its plateau. And voila, a horribly reductive description of the knee. Now, all the fun and terrible ways that knees like to go bad. First and foremost, we have a torn meniscus. Menisci have been known to tear, and typically in creative ways. It can be as sexy as being tackled from the side while playing football, or something as mundane as stepping off a curb by accident. What, what does the damage is what's known as shear force. Think exactly like a pair of scissors or shears. You have two forces, in this case the blades, coming from two opposite trajectories. We'll apply this to the bad curb step metaphor. When you suddenly slip off a curb, your body weight is what is causing you to fall to earth, courtesy gravity. Your foot hits the ground first, so reactive forces are now coming up, but the rest of you is still falling. Since you likely slipped to your side, your femur is being pulled just slightly to the side, so your femur is being driven down and to the side, and your tibia, which has hit the ground, is being driven slightly in and up. With this shear force that's now happening, the meniscus was not designed to handle forces side to side, rather forward and back or subtle grinding motions that a normal knee range of motion entails. As such, structures give, and boom, torn the meniscus. Second way injuries tend to happen to the knee is ligament tears. The handful of ligaments that I mentioned that hold the knee in place, those too are susceptible to shear forces. I'm sure anyone who's watched or played football, or as we call it in America, soccer, has heard of or seen someone tear their ACL or MCL, 
Those are shorthands for anterior cruciate ligament and medial collateral ligament. Well, same science as the meniscus tears. Those ligaments are meant to resist forces along the lines of their fibers, not across the fibers. And since shear forces mean going against the grain, well, then things tear. Now, the third way is actually kind of the same, but the mechanism is in two different ways. So we'll call it the third and fourth way. The third way is technically an active way to get in the injury. However, it's a little more what we would say insidious, meaning there's no obvious sign or there's no clear action that initiated the injury. When you step off the curb funny and your knee goes out, you know it was stepping off the curb. This is you wake up one morning and suddenly your knee is angry at you and you don't know why. That's what we mean by insidious. This first type of degeneration we'll call active degeneration. This is particularly for my overtrainers and one-trick pony athletes. For example, if you've been a runner most of your life, but now that you've hit your 30s, 40s, or 50s, and you're starting to feel the ravages of time on your knees, well, it might have been your training all along. But my training hasn't changed, you exclaim. Correct, it hasn't, but you have. As we age, things tend to slow down. We're still quite capable of getting the job done. However, we need a little more time to do things like allow our tissues to recover. Our metabolism is not as fast as it used to be, and that includes tissue repair. This means you aren't going to bounce back as fast from those long runs, yet you're still going out and putting miles on those knees. So when your training outpaces your maintenance, you can expect to start getting some aches and pains along the way. This can also result in a possible torn meniscus if allowed to go on long enough, but typically you'll see arthritis and possible degeneration in the articular cartilage of the femur that we talked about before. So now finally, for the fourth cause, we'll have what I'll dub passive degeneration. This is for my homies in their golden years. When you get to enjoy retirement and find yourself on your rump more than ever, you aren't going to do anything terrible to your knees, but your knees still feel terrible. What gives? This is good old arthritis you feel setting in, and you're not alone. According to the CDC, one in two adults means 50% of adults age 65 and older report being diagnosed with arthritis. Further, in another study that involved 480 adults who reported having knee pain, 50% had imaging to show that they indeed had arthritis. Suffice to say, Knee pain and arthritis are quite prevalent in a population that very much likely isn't picking up soccer games on the weekends. Well, we have great news. We can stop all that with adequate movement. All right, I already gave up the big reveal. But how can movement address all these problems that seem to be widely varying mechanisms of injury? Well, let's talk movement and a little bit more important anatomy that I left out that will play a huge factor in how the knee can stay healthy. As I mentioned earlier, we give a very reductive description of the knee, but I also left out one huge piece of anatomy for our purposes today called the joint capsule. The joint capsule is very much what it sounds like, a bag made of connective tissue that encapsulates the joint. You see, in addition to the meniscus and cartilage to reduce friction, your knee, cap, your knee joint capsule is filled with fluid called synovium. Synovium provides two crucial functions. First is lubrication. Think of this as the grease to your ball bearings. Things roll and function well enough, but a little grease makes them roll a lot smoother and last a lot longer. The second function, which is arguably just as critical, if not more so, 
is that the synovium is responsible for nourishment of the articulating surfaces. I didn't mention this earlier, but connective tissue is known pretty universally to have poor circulation. The tissue is non-contractile, meaning it doesn't flex or relax. So it doesn't really have much in the way of energy needs, so it doesn't get a lot of circulation. What this also means, however, is that when it sustains damage, it's also slow to repair. To further complicate the system, the knee joint moves. This is not a good space to have blood vessels running as they would get pinched, damaged, and crushed from the normal functioning of the knee. So how else is a knee joint supposed to get nutrition? The joint capsule and synovial fluid are quite unique. The joint capsule is highly vascularized, so all the blood vessels, in a sense, surround the knee joint, courtesy of the capsule, but don't go into it. Fluid carries nutrition and metabolic waste, along with being the lube. This means when the fluid gets near the surface of the joint capsule, it exchanges whatever metabolic waste it's carrying for nutrition, and when the fluid makes its way back from the surface of the capsule down into the knee joint, it exchanges that nutrition it's carrying with the articulating surface cells and picks up metabolic waste that those cells of the meniscus, ligaments, cartilage, and bone naturally produce by doing their business. This, in essence, is how the cells in the knee survive. This is pretty much a critical piece of information we'll need for the tail end of our segment. Now, let's talk about how movement can be a saving grace for each of our aforementioned scenarios. Firstly, there's probably little you're going to be able to do to resist getting hurt when someone tabletops you in a contact sport or you suffer an acute injury like an MMA kick to the knee or someone skiing into you. However, in the scenario with stepping off the curb funny, a couple factors are taken into play. One is the health of the joint. Remember we said that was a great way to shear the meniscus? If the meniscus has been compromised over time due to lack of nutrition, it only makes sense that its integrity and thus function would be compromised, leading it to provide less resistance and make it more susceptible to injury. So that synovium I just got done describing? Let's double back a second and discuss how that system can go wrong. Visualize, if you will, a small balloon filled with fluid, but with your knee inside and femur and tibia sticking out of it, you pretty much have the capsule visualized. Now we talked about how nutrition and metabolite transfer but one point we didn't talk about was what makes the whole system work is motion. Motion is what causes the fluid to circulate and run its grocery route, if you will. Without motion, the fluid becomes stagnant. If the fluid is stagnant, it cannot transfer the nutrition from the surface or metabolite away from the tissues. In essence, the bone and tissues on the inside begin to starve and sit in their own metaphorical poop. I don't know many creatures or organisms that thrive in a condition like this, and your knee is no exception. So what begins to happen? Well, your tissues begin to slowly die. Suffice to say, they will not be so good at performing their job very well or resisting forces. So when you're now performing your normal day-to-day -day function and receiving those injuries, they don't heal because they're not getting nutrition, and arthritis begins to collect because inflammation is a necessary part of the healing process, but without any nutrition to carry the healing process forward, it stays stuck in the inflammation mode. So now, events that might have been unfortunate stumbles have the possibility of becoming acute injuries. This lays the groundwork for not only our active injuries, but even our insidious degenerative ones, 
at face value, it makes sense that being sedentary and not moving much would lead to poor circulation within the knee, and thus a slow march to arthritis and degenerative knee joints. Active degeneration is not that simple. For our one-trick ponies, I'll use runners in this example because they are famously notorious for it, repetitive motion injuries occur only when a small part of the joint sees all of the action. And with something like running, the knee itself does not need to bend very far. So what range of motion it is getting pales into comparison to something like doing a full squat. Since the same surfaces of the knee are always in contact, the synovial fluid cannot get in there to re-lubricate or swap nutrition and metabolites. Coupled with the stress of being load-bearing and slowly wearing away from a lot of volume, it becomes a recipe for a slow deterioration of the articulating surfaces of the knee. As for our ligaments, some exist inside the capsule, some outside, but they all fall under one very special law in our body called Davis's Law. Not a postulate or a theory, mind you, but a law in science is pretty absolute. Davis's Law states that soft tissues model along lines of forces. Translation, if I take a healthy tissue and I pull it a bunch, say, from north to south, as it continues along its life cycle, it will lay down more tissue during its remodeling steps to resist forces specifically from north to south. Further, soft tissues and ligaments do get stronger with training, albeit about three times slower than muscle does, courtesy of the type of tissue and lesser amount of circulation compared to its contractile brethren. This means that with appropriate, consistent loading, it is possible to strengthen ligaments and tendons. Now, if I'm sedentary, how am I loading that connective tissue? And the answer to that $100 million question is, you aren't. So, I'll use the phrase, if you don't use it, you lose it. Now that we've given some mechanism behind how poor movement, or poor movement choice, can lead to recipes for failure, let's discuss how to be successful. First and foremost, improving your range of motion. I won't pretend like the majority of our population can drop into a proper full squat at will. Most of us actually shouldn't at our current stage in life, given that there likely exists a myriad of complicating factors that might actually lead you to getting injured. So what's a deconditioned human to do? For starters, you need to begin by identifying the hurdles that are keeping you from getting into a full squat. Before getting into some at-home tips, I'll begin by prefacing with this. These suggestions are not meant to be all-encompassing, and by no means replace a careful eye of a certified trainer or physio. If you have a pre-existing condition that might make any of the following problematic, you should consult with an appropriate physician first. With that said, the first step is to simply sit down or lie back on the couch or bed, hug your knee while trying to bring your heels to your butt, using your hands if you have to to give them a big hug. What sensations jump out at you? Do you have pain in the knee, around the knee, above the knee? inside or medially, outside or laterally? Second, what does that sensation feel like? Is it a sharp shooting pain? Does it feel like electricity? Does it just feel tight? Typically, in middle-aged to younger populations, most knee pain is brought about by previous injury, muscle tension, or muscle imbalances, possibly scar tissue from the injuries. Muscle tension slash imbalances slash scar tissue can be felt around the knee from which the muscles and or tendons run. 
Injuries can leave behind scar tissue, which can do the same, unless, of course, it was an internal knee injury like a meniscus tear or a ligament tear. If this is the case, starting with some good soft tissue work like foam rolling, trigger point, and all the like can help reduce tension pulling on the knee and the tendons, preventing it from accessing its full range of motion. If appropriately identified and addressed, you can see marked improvements in pain reduction and range of motion with maybe a five to 10 minute bout of soft tissue work if it was truly a muscular problem. For our middle-aged to older population, you might feel what I would describe as a diffuse pressure or a deep stretch coming from within or sort of spread throughout the knee. No one particular spot, but just kind of in a general area. This sensation can be indicative of the knee capsule itself losing its elasticity over time from neglect. This will take a bit more time and diligence to overcome. Capsules don't tighten overnight, so they won't loosen overnight either. If they're going to bounce back, you're going to need to give it time and attention. Doing this knee hug drill throughout the day, potentially more on one knee if you have only the one knee problem, will gradually reintroduce and encourage range of motion at the joint and capsule. At the very least, you'll be opening the knee joint more and exposing some of the surfaces to allow the synovial fluid to do its job. It should go without saying that a strong case for arthritis in the knee is the inflammation is indicative of the body trying to heal damaged tissues. If there's damage, the body will need nutrition, and without adequate synovial fluid circulation, those arthritic tissues inside the knee won't be getting much help. My recommendation would be doing about three to five hugs in a bout or a, a moment in time, anywhere from three to five times a day especially if you're already seated, this is something you can do at rest. The lying knee hug is a respectable movement because we're able to create passive, unloaded knee flexion with which you are 100% in control of the motion and potential stretch and whatever accompanying sensations. It also allows us to isolate the knee joint without having to worry about other factors impeding our motion like ankle or hip mobility. It seems silly, but Having a simple, safe, reproducible movement can have profound impact on the knee functioning with understandable mechanisms that a large majority of the population can utilize is about as low-hanging a fruit as anyone could ask for in terms of improving knee health. In terms of progression, for those that are a bit more athletic, we would then turn our attention to quite quickly assessing how to get into that squat, specifically the deep squat. If you are able to employ a deep squat during your day-to-day, you will be fi- by far better equipped to help stave off injury and degeneration than your average couch potato. We'll probably need to dedicate an entire episode to correctly performing a deep squat, but for time's sake, the deep squat utilizes the full range of motion of the knees, loads the knee completely and throughout to keep the ligaments and tendons in use to prevent atrophy, and it is simply insanely handy to use on a day-to-day basis. The funny thing about functional fitness is you don't realize how functional a movement is until you have it in your tool belt. I'm sure there's a large contingent of people out there who'd love to argue, I've made it X number of years without ever having been able to squat all the way down. And I can tell you from getting pots out of the back of my kitchen cabinets, lifting my children, helping put on their shoes, being able to squat when no chair is available for my son's karate class, and gardening, the squat has been insanely functional, at least for me and my wife. As always, I'll leave you with the TLDR for today. Knee injuries can happen catastrophically 
or insidiously and can create an injury through a number of different mechanisms. Many knees are inured or set up to be injured through our own neglect of their design needs. Motion is essential for knee health, and it is through motion that we can make sure tissues stay nourished and range of motion is not compromised. As we in the training industry like to say, motion is lotion. The knee hug is an incredibly low-risk movement that does not take any equipment, training space, or much time to execute. This can also be somewhat of an indicator of how healthy your knees are and potentially shed light on any problems that may be lurking. If you can perform a full knee hug with no pain, stretch, or pressure, I would encourage you to look into incorporating full squats in your day-to-day. It does require so many other things to perform, but being able to do a full squat is a hallmark of keeping knees healthy. That concludes our topic on knee health and at-home movements for the knee. As always, we would love to hear your questions, comments, feedback, and requests from you. So please send those thoughts to info at primity.org. And as always, strength comes in many forms, from within and without. So be strong to be useful. Until next time.